Hello, and welcome to On Staging, a community theater-focused discussion podcast highlighting the development and staging of community theater productions in Calgary and surrounding area. I'm Kyle Gould, and today I'm joined by Tanya Woodruff, the founder of Small Time Theater. Small Time Theater was founded in 2015, when Tanya went looking for a theater group for her children and found Calgary Wanting. Tanya then went on to create Small Time Theater, which has now put up seven large-scale children's productions since that time, with 285 roles for children on stage. I am also joined today by Kimberly Johnson, the director for Small Time Theater's forthcoming production, and two-time Cat Award nominee for Marin Ord's production of The Gardener in 2023. A Christmas Carol, the musical, presented December 7th through the 9th at the Glenmore Christian Academy in the deep southwest of Calgary. Very reasonably priced tickets are available in the show notes. Tanya and Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thank Thank you so much for having us. So what makes this A Christmas Carol, the musical, different from other productions of A Christmas Carol that are pretty much all happening at this time of year? Well, it's uh, all children performers, for one. That's a little bit unique. And it's also just a, it's a new take. Not really different take, but it's just new. And I don't know how to explain it more than that. Hey, Kimberly, it's a, it's a collaboration of a bu- bunch of different ideas and styles. And when we first decided to write Christmas Carol, I think that we were talking about it. And I thought, well, we know it so well. We all know Christmas Carol, the story. We could probably just write it from memory. Oh, wow. And so that's kind of the beginning of it with a bit of a different concept. Tanya had the great idea, since this is a children's theater, to kind of have the children of the Cratchit family narrate it to some extent. So they come approaching their friends, you won't believe what happened over Christmas. Let us tell you about what happened to Mr. Scrooge. And they're like, Mr. Scrooge, oh, he's awful. No, no, he's changed. Let us tell you all about it. So these children get to narrate and tell the story through their eyes and what Scrooge has told them that impacted their family so deeply that Christmas and how he had that miraculous transformation. So it's great because it gets children more involved in the storytelling of the show. And then, of course, whether it's an adult or a child character, it is all played by children. It's accompanied by original music. Well, let's go back then, because this sounds like everything's original Mm -hmm. from this Charles Dickens story. When did the idea for this happen? Well, usually when I'm thinking about shows, we only do a show in the spring. That's what we've always done. Correct. And so when we were talking about the next upcoming show, we were looking at something that would be a little bit more challenging because last year we did a pretty challenging show. And then what I was concerned about was just not having introductory roles. What do you mean by an introductory role? Well, roles where kids can just get a taste of performing and getting on stage and and being one or two different musical numbers, have maybe one or two lines, just kind of be in a production, see what that's like. And so, yeah, we just wanted to accommodate that. But then we also wanted to somewhat accommodate families that wanted a shorter timeline instead of starting in September and going right through March, which is what we usually do, have it just end at Christmas and then you're done. That was kind of my first thought when we started Small Time Theater that we should do a Christmas show. But So back in 2015, you're like, ooh, a Christmas show would be good, but you're caught up doing a big production. And of course, a bigger production always comes up in you know that springtime area. That's usually the best time for it. 
So you have this percolating idea since 2015. You've been doing one show a year and probably run off your feet doing that. Now you've suddenly made the decision, let's do two. And the other factor is that we had a lot of interest with auditions. With having more kids interested, we wanted to create more opportunity. Yeah. And so your auditions happen in the spring where interested individuals come out and audition for the show. And then then you kind of get a feel for how many people will be interested. Are they auditioning for a specific show or are they auditioning for just an opportunity to be in whatever production it will be? It's always been for a specific show. We were doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat last year. So everyone that auditioned was auditioning for that show. And we just knew based on talking to people that there would be a lot of interest in this upcoming year. Tanya had the idea to do two shows and we could accommodate all the more kids because that's really our biggest motivating factor of what we do is giving these kids an opportunity to perform, to see what theater is all about and get involved. So it really created a perfect opportunity to get more kids involved. So we have double the cast because we have double the shows. We could involve more kids, which is a win for everyone. So you now have two semesters of small time theater shows. Did kids get cast in both or just one or the other? We asked them what their preference was. Mm -hmm. And then we kind of tried to accommodate that. But yeah, it was just one or the other. So was A Christmas Carol, the musical, already established in your mind? I don't think anything was written as of yet when auditions started happening in the spring. Or was that the auditions happened and then you made the decision to go with A Christmas Carol? The script was mostly written. Oh, wonderful. By that point, it wasn't... The music was yet to come a right. bit. But. Yeah. <laughs> so, so we who did wrote ha- the script? Well, I came up with the general concept. But the idea of doing Christmas Carol with the perspective from the children was kind of inspired from when my kids have done Christmas Carol in Theatre Calgary. And I loved how the kids just bonded together. Right. And I felt like, well, actually one year, the young company wrote a script called Tiny Tim's Revenge. And then they performed it for the older members of the cast. Wow. So when was that? Was that early 2010s? That was 2017. So when did you start writing? It was probably in February or so. Of this year? Yeah. Oh, okay. So you've got an idea and you're like, okay, we need to start writing this. Was it a hard thing to do? Just because I didn't put a lot of time into it. But (laughs) that was fixed by Kimberly and her mom, Delcia, who took over the script. And then they added the things that they felt were missing. (laughs) So you had a bare bones script, the concept, everything was put down into paper, you knew kind of what you wanted. Then there's the niggling details of the plot and getting people on and off stage and thinking all those things. So you passed it on to Kimberly and her mom. When did that happen? In April. So she had spent a few months with it while we were still finishing up Joseph. And she really isn't giving herself enough credit. She had written quite a lot of the script. And since my passion is music and dance more so, I really was excited to direct, but I felt like the magic I wanted that you need in Christmas needed music. And so my mother and I started to expound upon that script that she had already written and we got Marin Burnham on board to add music which she's okay, done a we'll fantastic need to back job. Then. Okay. So you've been handed the script <laughs> mm-hmm. which has a lot more in it than uh, Tanya has alluded to <laughs> and you started to compile it together. Were you already the director for The Christmas Carol at this point or were you just an invested intro individual connected with the company? Tanya had asked me to direct it. And so when did this conversation happen that brought you guys together 
And how did you become involved with the company? Um, oh, that goes back a ways. Yes. Well, small time theater is um, designed that if your child is a participant, you get to be part of it too as the crew. And I like how you say get. Yeah. Some people may look at it as an obligation, but it is an awesome opportunity. It's a privilege and friendships are made and skills are learned. And it's honestly been such a gift in my life. When Tanya was directing The Trials of Alice in Wonderland, I had two small children at the time, a newborn and a two-year-old. So I was not involved in this production, didn't actually even know it was happening. But she had heard I had this background in dance and asked if I would help with some choreography to spice up their musical numbers before their show hit the stage. And of course, I was delighted. This was something I loved to do. So with babes in arms, I just joined in and I haven't left since I helped with the next four productions with choreography before I took on a director role. And this is your first time directing? This would be my, I guess, my third time directing. The first one I did, didn't ever hit the stage due to COVID. Right. And then the second one was last year, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. And then this will be my third small time theater production that I get to direct. Well, what have you learned as a director now? This is your third time doing it. What is the biggest takeaway that you've learned in the last three, the the two previous times that now makes you feel so much more comfortable in the role? There's so much. Every show comes with different challenges. Every show comes with different needs and opportunities and ideas. So I feel like you learn something new from every show you do. But really what I've learned so much is this team collaborative effort. And it's so, I just feel like one small cog in this big machine because all these people come together and they do so much that I could never do on my own. The costumes, the sets, the props and all the administration and all these little details, even putting together a rehearsal schedule can be such a puzzle. So I've just really valued that communication and that teamwork and really learning what people's gifts and talents are and letting them run with it because they would do a much better job than I could do if I tried to dictate it all on my own. But I I have learned just just some of those practical skills that you learn. But I've learned I loved it more than I ever thought I would. What a great answer that is. I really just... Let's just pause for a second. I learned that I loved it more than I thought it would is a great answer. I've directed one time. I learned I'm really good at it. (laughs) I do not love it. I did not enjoy the process. I don't want to do it again. When I think back to like, oh, I really would love to see my vision on stage. I'm like, no, I don't want to do that again. I did not enjoy (laughs) or love the process. That's a great thing to have learned. I'm really happy for that because that will show down the road when you continue to do it. It's because you love doing it. That's And that's fair because there's lots to not love about it. it. There's a lot of work and a lot of headaches and fires to put out. But at the end of the day, seeing those kids shine up on stage and seeing their growth through the process, it is so rewarding. There's nothing like live theater. And the fact that this is a children's theater just adds a special element because they're such formative years and you see these kids that were so shy or reserved just come out and shine. And it's so special what Tanya's created for these kids in South Calgary. Flowers don't grow unless they have light. And 
when you put a kid on stage and put lights on them, they can't help but grow. She didn't tell me. So how did you find this lovely human being who had not signed their kids up to be part of the show, which is generally, I would assume, how most of the people you find appear. You put out the call and their kids suddenly arrive and then there's these adults that step up and help and are truly a working force to help bring small time theater to the stage. How did you find this person? This is just that's right? that's a story that doesn't connect, right? There's no kids involved for them yet. We have a strong church community. Okay. So it was I knew her mom and I I think that she had just kind of moved back into the area recently. And so I approached her right away. But yeah, most of my like you're saying how I find people to be involved, it's been very word of mouth. And we wanted to expand that for years and create more opportunity for more people, kind of put out some calls or advertising, but we just didn't know how much we could handle. Mm -hmm. And so now we're able to be a little bit more, more than just friends telling friends of friends of, you know, and it expanding that way, we're able to say, is there anyone we don't know who, or nobody knows who would like to join up? So that's really nice. But yeah, Kimberly, she's just been a real gem. Like, there's really no one else who could fill those shoes that she's done. So, well, as nice as it is to feel irreplaceable, there's so many gems. Yeah, there, lots of people could do it. But it's really been nice to be entrusted with it because it's really brought a lot of joy to my to my life and to my yeah. children's because they started being so little, but now they're old enough to be in the show. And Not all of them. Not all no. of them. Um, gonna, I'm trying to do the math and I'm like, that is not possible. <laughs> so I have I have four young children, mm-hmm. um, nine, seven, five, and two, and one on the way. <laughs> so I have a whole what? league of small-time theater casts upcoming. <laughs> they're excited to be a part of my four-year-old. Had a little moment in the spotlight being a glorified prop last year in Joseph. She was the goat that they got to rip the arms and legs off. But her 30 seconds on stage just brought her so much joy and she can't wait till she's old enough next year to officially be in the cast. And yeah, so we'll just keep keep going with it, I think is our family plan. <laughs> we love it so much. That's amazing. Now, we'll go back to Tanya. It's 2015 and you've decided enough is enough. I want theatrical opportunities, not just for my kids with Theatre Calgary, but like how do we grow and develop and blossom? Who was involved in the journey that brought you from that germ of an idea into the flowering tree that it is now of small-time theater? Well, how far back do you want to go? (laughs) Well, I mean, 2015 seems like, because you didn't do your first show until 2016, so you're probably in the process of doing it. So what happened in 2015 that, because that's when you planted the seed. Obviously, it started with me being in children's theater growing up. And I felt like it was impactful, a life-changing experience, loved it. And so when when I had kids that were of the age where they might be interested in that, I didn't really know how much interest they'd have. And there wasn't a way for me to really gauge that. Because as a mom, you know, you put your kids in something. My oldest did karate and cried every time he went because he said he wanted to do it and didn't know what it was about. (laughs) And so I wanted to kind of put them in something, but everyone's so busy. They're involved in sports. I couldn't really find something that worked with our schedule. So I said, I'm just going to put on a family show. That's how my mom kind of started when we were younger and just was like, you can just 
practice a play at home. And I'm sure a lot of families do that. And it was great. We put on a little play, invited some friends over and had pizza. And then right after that, I went up to Edmonton to visit a friend of mine who I went to school with. And her cancer had been in remission and then it had come back and she was dealing with a terminal diagnosis. And I said, you know, my kids are getting older. I probably should be going back to work. She stopped me and said, why? Why would you do that? Why would you spend your time and energy into things that you don't really find fulfilling or or, um, rewarding personally? And so it really made me think about what it is that I felt like I could offer personally. And even though I don't have, like my background's in social work, I don't have theater training. I just, I put on a bunch of shows as a director when I was 18, 19, 20 at my church for Christmas. And I thought, this is great. I can do this. It's not amazing. (laughs) It's not high quality productions, but we can expand it and we can learn and grow. And so there's so many resources on the internet and there's so many people to talk to that I just started learning and asking questions. How do we do this? So the way that we started officially was I told probably 10 friends whose kids I knew like to perform and said, let's put this on. Cardell Theater at the time was free to use. We did free tickets. And I got my mother-in-law to write a script that was specifically tailored to the kids who wanted to be in the show. Another friend who's from our church community as well wrote the music. And then I made whatever personal adjustments I wanted to, because you can when it's your own show. And then we just went from there. And it was, I thought maybe it would be a one-time thing, but it was a success in everybody's mind. So we went from there and got a little bit bigger. And then eventually 2019 was when we decided to organize actually officially as a not-for-profit. That's amazing. Yeah. And you've been putting up shows, one show a year for the last seven years, and now it's two. Is it going to stay two going forward? That's the plan. That's the plan. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. So it's a long story. No, that wasn't long at all. It, it leads us to, you know, the development of an established children's community theater company in Calgary and area. And it's uh, a great and wonderful thing to have. So first and foremost, thank you for doing this. Thank you for the work that comes with the building and production and establishment of community. Communities are only built through the hard work and dedication of a small collective of people, and then they benefit much like a tree. It reaches vast lengths, but it's all built upon the support and structure of one or small groups of people. We wouldn't have any community theater in Calgary at all if it wasn't for people like yourself. So thank you for that. Well, it's been a great adventure. <laughs> yes, it is the path. It is the journey that's uh, that's always the most fun part of it, not the destination. And the destination coming up now in December here all too soon is A Christmas Carol, the musical with music by, I'm guessing, Kim and Marin Burnham, but we'll get to Marin in a moment, written by Charles Dickens and Tanya Woodruff. But how did this come to be? We It sounds like you guys first passed on the script to Kim back in April. When did you have your first production meeting to start discussing what you were going to need and how you were going to need to do it? 
Tanya had worked on the script for a few months and kind of handed it over to me in April. And I continued to work on it. There were some frustrating times where I felt, I don't have time for this. That I, <laughs> I I didn't sign up for this. I said I would direct, not be a playwright. And I, Dickens does a great job. So I knew we had a solid story to work off of. But I just wanted to do it justice. Right. And so I looked at scripts that were already finished online. And like I had said earlier, I, I really wanted music because that's... I feel it brings the magic. Plus, that's what the kids always seem to enjoy. But I just wasn't finding anything that was right fit for a small-time theater with their children. And I wanted the right show for small-time theater for this children's cast. And so that's when I turned to Marin, and she did a fantastic job. Did you go to Tanya? And when did that happen where you were like, I think we need music in this? As I was saying that I tried to simplify the script, right? Make it shorter and and simplified. And then with Kimberly and Delcia, they really love a lot of the like the magic of Dickens, like mm-hmm. bringing the poetic traditional wording. And so that was brought in in a couple scenes that I had been like, well, in the interest of time, we can cut that out. But then it just kind of evolved into put those back in mm-hmm. and, and then with Marin well, coming any in, great script it's a conversation right. yeah yeah and so with Marin coming in she had a different style as well so did you so know was, Marin already no not really yeah so no. you know Marin though from being in the gardener last year uh, and previous productions and, and as previously, well. Yep. Yes, but knowing her as uh, a musician and a music writer you are putting this together and you go to Tanya and you say I have this friend Marin, who's a great composer, writer of music, amazing individual and human being. What do you think about getting her involved in this? And Tanya says... Tanya then enters and says, great. (laughs) (laughs) Was it a hesitant great? Like, how did you feel about it? Oh, for sure. There was like just the idea of like, oh, that's going to be a lot of work for somebody to write music. It'll have to be, obviously, we'll have to approve it. We'll have to make sure it kind of goes with the vibe of small time theater in general. You know, artistically, I'm sure it'll be great. Is she okay with like putting all that work in when we need it right away? And so that was a little concern. Yeah, it's hard to ask that of people, I think. Right. But she was truly happy to volunteer it. And uh, I think she did a fantastic job. Oh, absolutely. She brought some really fun numbers that are really unique. I've never heard in any other version of Christmas Carol. So I think it is such an original piece. Well, I just agree that there's so much good in the story. It's It's a classic for a reason. So many people know it because of what a what an amazing theme it is for Christmas Carol and renewal and and just taking care of each other. And so it should be kind of brought forward a little bit. And I think that's one of the reasons I wanted the original vernacular in there to some degree, especially those famous lines that Scrooge says, because I wanted it to be true. I didn't want some spin-off version. I wanted it to be true, Charles Dickens, A Christmas Carol, but that could fit in their words and their their talents and and their understanding. So it, we didn't want it to be long-winded. We didn't want it too complicated, but we still wanted to hold true to that poetry that he had accomplished in the original book. So we pulled as much from the original story and stayed true to it as much as possible. Yeah. So you then went and got Marin Burnham. You'd had the conversation. Tanya's definitely said, well, okay. <laughs> that was a definite okay. <laughs> yeah. 
and and that's fair. I mean, we you, so when was the production meeting that Marin was first to join to, and who all was at that production meeting? Is it the show already cast at that point, and parents are coming forward because there's set design, and you need probably an accompanist, or is the music all going to be canned? You need people to work and manage lights. You need stage manager and back stage manager. When does that production team get put together, and when does that all happen? Well, the way that we always do production teams is we wait until after we cast the show. Right. And then we pull from the parents. We let everybody know beforehand, before auditions, that they're going to need to volunteer for a role. These are the descriptions of the different roles. This year is probably half of the people auditioning had been in a in a production before. So some of them it was new. Some of them they knew what they were getting into. And then after the audition, after the parts are cast, then we let the parents know this is your role. And so they so, just get assigned a role. Yeah, well, offered and asked. <laughs> <laughs> we do ask their preference and try to accommodate as much as oh, we okay, can. So oh, yeah. Parents sure. are definitely we, saying, like, I'd be willing to be the stage manager because right, it's yeah. not like just random, no, no, like, no, Jeff, your kids, you two, your kids <laughs> in this show, you're the stage manager this year. That's probably not going to go over well. Right. You need availability for whoever's available and those who aren't, you find different stuff for them to do. Perfect. But yeah, when they when they audition, they sign up for what role they think that they could perform. And then after the casting's done, we look at, well, what did they say they could do? <laughs> and then whoever we have, that's how we make the show. Wow. Certain parents have probably come back pretty regularly into similar roles, I would assume, over the years as you continue to maintain the common number of kids probably are still being part of this coming through this program as they they grow up or is there a lot of change? I'd say half and half, like both of our casts this year, because the two shows, they're both half new, never performed with small time theater before and half returning. So 50-50 for all of it. Yeah, that that should be what you would look at to maintain not only consistency, but new growth as well. And so another way to look at this question is your stage manager for this production. How many times have they been a stage manager? So for Christmas Carol, our stage managers are first their first time oh with goodness. small time theater. However, she's had a lot of theater experience before. I knew she was up for it. Her name is Lena Chalmers and she's fantastic. She <laughs> has superpowers and organization that blow my mind and we're so lucky to have her. I had worked with her once in the past and so I knew she was very capable and up to it and we do try to make sure that people are comfortable in their roles and walk them through it as much as possible. But a lot of us are just learning as we go. And so do you have a lighting designer as well? And then lighting technicians? Or how do you work for lights for your small time theater productions? Every year up till now, it's been that whoever's directing just designs the lighting, right? That's right. <laughs> Which was something I had to figure out last year. This year, because Lena has a lot of experience, she was happy to take on that role. And so I, we're working together, collaborating for the light design. Um, but I think I'll trust her opinion a lot more than mine. So do you hang lights for the show itself and set gels or you use basically the house plot used and then just working on when the lights come up and lights go down? I think it's pretty set. There's not too much tweaking we can do. Glenmore Christian Academy, they have a technician that they provide that we work with. And he has been fantastic to work with. But yeah, there's not a whole lot of moving lights that we can do. We just kind of work with what they have and do our best. And now set design. Who did that? For Christmas Carol, her name is Ingrid Kohler. And she is a fantastic artist. We're lucky to have her. Her daughter is uh, the ghost of Christmas future. So thank goodness we had Ingrid to use her skills. So she's a painted projections that we'll use as our backdrops. 
and just has a very artistic eye for all the furnishings and moving parts. And the committee under her has been really great and supportive. And a whole committee. How many people are involved in your set? For all of our committees, costume sets, props, we have the designer and then they have a committee chair that kind of is more responsible with some of the logistics, organization, budget and whatnot. And then depending on the committee, we'll have two to eight other parent volunteers that get to work and make it happen. Wow. It's a very big collaborative effort and everyone does a little bit and it goes a long way. Has it been planned that way all along for a small time theater where it was like a designer and then a committee head and several people underneath that? No, it's definitely evolved. We used to, um, like our first few shows were just kind of who can do what and yeah. <laughs> and can you do that? And then after that, we would have just with that same mentality, some people would step up and do a lot. And so then we wanted to make sure that they weren't being burnt out. We just evolved into, okay, we're going to have a designer. We're going to have somebody to help you as the organizer. And then we're going to have the committee. And so I can't really say if it's been the same any year. Right. It's a constantly evolving thing that you've done a great job of documenting, diarizing. Your website does a great job of outlining what people's roles are and what they do and what they're expected of, not just from the board and the officers, but of the other sub ones as well. It looks really good. So kudos to you for that, for being very well and communicative. And you have to with as many parents as you have to deal with. Well, we have one member of our board, Lindy Turner, who is just so amazing. It's so great how she's detail-oriented. When we're in the board meetings, I'm like, I have this great idea. And then she's like, how are we going to do that? Right. <laughs> and so I love her and I love how she like thwarts some of my dreams. <laughs> but it's I like- I love well, how she, she gets thwarts on my the dreams. Details. She makes the details so that we aren't just brushing with wide strokes. She really makes it so right. it can be sustained and realistic. Yeah, every meeting is like- Let's talk about what we want to do. And now let's have Lendy figure out how we're going to do it. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) What a great and wonderful person to have by your side. Yeah. She is incredible. So she's the one who's really spearheaded making sure we have all those roles outlined very specifically. So as your sets get bigger, too, as you go along, do you have people who are professional in set design and building? Or is it pretty, pretty much a learn as you go thing? And have you put together training and learning processes because that's one thing about putting on theater is that it has to be safe and it has to be secure and sandbags have to be put into proper places and proper attachments and whatnot need to be done that's something that kind of can fly by the wayside if you're painting with broad strokes and you're new to the Mm -hmm. whole industry and it's something that i have learned only in the last few years the importance of safety and securing stages so that if somebody bumps a flat, it doesn't fall on their face. <laughs> yeah. And actually, Lindy does have her degree in set design. So that's been helpful. That's wonderful. But for the most part, we haven't been able to construct large sets like that where you're going to have people flying around because most of the theater space that we use is just kind of bring your stuff in, take it out at night. And so we don't really have an issue with things that people are climbing on or or safety like that. Someday that would be great, <laughs> but we haven't grown quite into that yet. Our biggest set piece is Scrooge's bed, which the bed was built to be laid on, so we were okay. <laughs> <laughs> What's made this particular production of A Christmas Carol, the musical, hard? What's the hardest thing about trying to put this show up? I would definitely say the timeline. We are doing it in three months, September, October, November, and our show is the first week of December. 
it's been great because families can commit to three months. We rehearse twice a week for an hour and a half. So we total all those hours up. We only really have 39 hours to teach all the choreography, blocking lines, the singing, and then just work in all the props, costume sets. And there's close to about 100 costumes in this show. So we are used to a six-month timeline, but we're trying to do it all in three. (laughs) So that is a challenge. It's been amazing to see it come together in such a short time, but it's been no joke. (laughs) It's been a lot of work. A lot of outside of rehearsal time by parents, helping their kids, coaching, meeting up and sewing, painting, all the things. But to do it in a three-month timeline has probably been our biggest challenge. But it's really exciting because I think we're doing it. (laughs) All the kudos to Kimberly and Delcia for taking it on. And she had some amazing, brilliant ideas about splitting up some of the chorus so that they would do half of the songs and so they wouldn't have to learn quite as much, which I think was really smart. It did increase the size of the cast. So that's another challenge that she took on. How many kids are in this production? There's 51 children. So that's a challenge of the... Wait, are all 51 coming to these rehearsals? So, um, 51 kids coming to a rehearsal for your an hour. You're and right. Half. There are some times where we only we only call those that are needed. Well, so you are going to need <laughs> them all all too soon. That's right. So a large majority of the time we have 51 kids that where were, do you rehearse? It's a giant oh, soccer it's a, field out back east. We really can't be outside out. in Calgary in the winter. <laughs> it's an amazing facility down in South Calgary in Walden. It's a church called the Southview Alliance Church. And they rent out their facilities to a lot of different groups. And they've given us a really very reasonable rent that we pay, which probably barely keeps the lights on. So Right. Really but it's grateful. also one of the reasons why you have to charge you know, the kids in mm-hmm. order to be part of this production. And yeah. uh, one, it keeps the cost of the tickets down. And two, it allows you guys to have sets and yeah. props and all of the other things that come with it, along with a rehearsal space and a theater to put the show up. Absolutely. Exactly. And it's been so great to have a large cast size because it gives those kids that opportunity to be part of a show. It's so hard to turn any child away from an opportunity. And you just, they come to auditions and they give their heart out. Oh, we just wish we could take every single one of them. But we have done everything we can to include as many as possible So as Tanya mentioned, kind of splitting up the ensemble so they do kind of every other number. We were able to have some kids learning music upstairs while their other half's learning choreography downstairs, and then we'd switch. And so they were able to be covering two or three different scenes at the same time. So kind of getting three rehearsals in one by splitting up Divide and Conquer. And thankfully, we have the parent volunteers to to do that, where we have three musical directors that have been working. We have Ashley Cahoon and Jen Lowe and Letitia Christensen. And they've all been working at rehearsal really hard, as well as having soloists come and work outside of rehearsal with them to make sure that they really shine and do their very best. So we have three musical directors. I'm also standing in the shoes of choreographer, but I have a great assistant choreographer, Marissa Stone. Delcia Mullen has, is assistant director doing a lot of the blocking and she's excellent with speech coaching. She has a background in that. So she has been helping kids learn enunciation and diction and projection and just getting the right emotion behind their, their lines. So it's really been a divide and conquer experience trying to 
get everything covered in the first two months. And then this last month, we're just running the show all together as many times as we can to get it smooth wow. sailing. Mm-hmm. What's making this a memorable project for yourselves? It's magical to see all these elements come together. And as I said, because we've divided and conquered, there were scenes I hadn't seen yet. <laughs> there was music I'd kind of heard, but not from the kids yet. Is there a particular song that's going to stick with you? There's one that I think that's kind of unique to this show, and it's called Chains. It's when Marley first appears to Scrooge. And I had the idea of having all these creepy ghosts kind of representing the chains come around him and dance. And they do this dance number scaring the wits out of Scrooge. But these kids are just so into it and so fun. And I think they really enjoy taking on that character of being creepy. <laughs> and, so, and so they've just gotten so into it. And it's just so fun to see them transform from these delightful, happy kids into these creepy little ghosts. And it's it's a lot of fun. But Fezziwig's party has a great dance scene. And there's so many touching little moments with Tiny Tim and the Cratchits. And he sings this beautiful little solo. And there's so many moments that just touch my heart, I think, through music in the way that only music can. And when it's coming from the sweet little children's voices that aren't so little, they mm-hmm. are fantastic, these singers. It is memorable. It's special. And there's a magic to it that I was hoping to obtain. But it's definitely as you see it come together. It's very exciting. I think it's going to be a great show. That's awesome. The director of Swamp Donkey Musical Theater's production of Spitfire Grill does not direct musicals typically, Julita Severson Baker. However, she was directing the Spitfire Grill, which is a musical. And she said, uh, I don't like it. It feels like cheating. <laughs> Every time the music comes on, it informs the audience has how to feel. She said, you you work your way there with the words themselves rather than give them an A chord in an E flat major and know, oh, okay, this is where we're going. Um, <laughs> That's a theater purist right there. <laughs> <laughs> so it feels like cheating. So hearing, hearing your passion for the music tells me you're like, yeah, you're a director that likes to help the audience get to that emotional place. I do. I grew up in a musical home and, and obviously with my background in dance, there's this quote, I believe by Martha Graham says, the body says what words cannot. And same goes for music. There's just this language that touches the soul that nothing else can. And and theater in general touches the soul in no other way. That's why it's so important and why I love live theater so much. There's limitations for sure that it seems movies have endless, all these things and resources and we're this small company trying to get these kids to do these things. And so sometimes you can feel like, oh, well, what can we do? We're so small and we have limited resources. But with this army of volunteers and the magic and energy that these kids bring, it's really remarkable to see the outcome. I think a lot of people come with the expectation of, oh, it's children's theater. It'll be cute or it'll be something fun. Or, you know, I'll go support. But they leave feeling wow, I wasn't expecting that. I wasn't expecting their talent and their energy and combined with the production elements of the prop sets and costumes that just really bring it to life. And they leave with this kind of a big experience that show these kids, their potential is so great. And it's really incredible to see them shine and to have this opportunity for them. Makes it memorable for you. 
this particular production. Just listen to Kimberly go on. She, <laughs> she, like her passion, her love for the whole show, like that is, and it's not just Kimberly. It's definitely a bigger show than I would have taken on with this kind of timeline. But she and Delcia and her whole team, like the music directors, everybody that she's brought on, they're just all incredible. Like people will be blown away when they come to see it because I have complete faith that with the autonomy that she's been granted to get to make all these decisions, she believes in this show that she can do it. And I have complete faith that they will collectively just pull it off and make it incredible. So thanks for your confidence, Tanya. It's really sweet. I should mention also um, our costume designer, Miranda Hegedus, creating 100 costumes in three months. She has been incredible and so talented with her work, but also her organization and just getting her team to make this happen has been no small feat. So I definitely don't want to have them go without credit. It's been incredible what they've pulled off. So what do you do with all the costumes? Typically, we ask the kids if they want to just buy them after. That's what we started doing. We were thinking that maybe we would keep them, recycle. I mean, kids' costumes we could use again in another production a lot of times. But then we keep thinking that we want to do different shows. And so it makes it kind of useless to store them. Until you think we're still going to be here another 10 years from now and we might be doing another Victorian, Edwardian style show and then these costumes will come back to be Since effective. Since we mentioned right? that, yeah, Christmas Carol might be a very different story. We might just actually keep those on because they are masterpieces and they probably should be used every year if we can somehow find a way to use those again we should plan around that this bed will it end up getting dismantled and recycled or are you going to end up do you keep many props and set pieces season over season year over year not a lot we end up keeping some and what do you do with it is it filling your garage or no just this year we've figured out a solution actually and we have a sea can stored on a lot and so you're putting everything in the in there for now oh wow yeah well there you go these are not things that people think about when they think about doing a show and they think about putting these things on is you've sourced those props now you have to figure out how to keep them or where they're going to go and where they're going to live and when you buy a new prop for a show that prop now exists and you have to find a place for it going forward even if you might not use it for another five, six, seven years. And that's part of the evolution that we've started discovering as we've gone year to year and we ask people to do the sets and then we realize afterwards, oh, they don't want to do sets next year because they had their garage filled. Yeah. (laughs) Nose Creek players out in Airdrie, literally their house, their living room becomes the location for all of their set pieces Mm -hmm. for that given show for a year at a time they have very limited use of space when untold stories unloaded their wind in the willows stuff from last year's production it lived in jason and gad's condominium for months before they could find places for it to go and recycle and miss and reuse Mm -hmm. so it's not stuff that we necessarily think about but hopefully with this podcast and with the conversations we have with people it's stuff you start to think about when you're making a company like small time theater come together you're like, oh, now we have these things. Yeah, it's too much. What do we do? Yeah, it's a lot to ask of people when they're volunteering already to then be like, and can you keep that? So I think that the solution is finding a place for sure. And luckily, we've had sponsors really step up this year. So we've been able to finance that. 
That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much, both of you, for coming today to chat with me about this upcoming production of A Christmas Carol, the musical. Original work based on Charles Dickens' classic story written by Kimberly Johnson and Tanya Woodruff with new music from Maren Burnham. I cannot wait to see it. It's not that far from my house. It's like a three-minute drive away. It is showing four times. Is that correct? There are four performances for these 51 children, which just like your ticket price per child is so small for what you're going to get out of this. I love that Tanya wants to keep it affordable for families. It's it's a great opportunity to get exposure to theater. But for $10 a ticket, a great family Christmas activity to go. And I, I love that she wants to keep the price low so it can be accessible to everyone. And not only in our ticket prices, but in our enrollment fee, it's so minimal so that it wouldn't be a factor that inhibits any child from participating. That being said, you pay for it with your time (laughs) and your volunteer efforts. So that can be limited for some people. But I love that she has that vision of giving as many people the opportunity to be part of this theater as a performer, volunteer or audience member as possible she's created something really special in south calgary here i need to not say it's me <laughs> and well, i appreciate it appreciate started with you <laughs> but yes and i know that some people have said wow look at what you've created but i have to always counter it with this this is not what i created what i created was that original friends of family free show and what it's become is just the combined collaboration of so many more people you're right but you planted the seed in the ground and other people helped water it and other people helped make sure there was enough light for it to grow and that's what's special and important and you're still here and you're still managing it and helping it continue to flourish and thrive and now it's doing more along the lines of what you'd always dreamed of in the first place which is two shows a year and that is a mind-blowing endeavor A Christmas Carol is a timeless story because it is principally about self-forgiveness. And there's nothing better at Christmas time than to think about the things and mistakes we've made and how to forgive ourselves for the things and the punishments that we've borne for ourselves and have been done to us. And Scrooge, in his act of self-forgiveness through this doubtlessly drug-induced dream that occurs one night comes to a path of forgiving himself for the things he's done and it allows him to see the light and joy in others come see the light and joy that'll be on display from 51 children in a hundred costumes 39 hours of just rehearsal time let alone all of the time these kids and parents and volunteers have spent building and establishing and turning this production into the work of art it's going to be, you only have four times to get to see it. You can turn on Netflix's Spirited anytime this Christmas season. You cannot see Small Time Theater's production of A Christmas Carol any other time than those four times. It will not exist after it. The set pieces that they keep will go to the sea can on the lot. The costumes will be passed on to the children and will never come to be again. So you owe it to yourself for this experience. And live theater is, as Kim said, an amazing experience that you cannot get anywhere else. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, Kyle.